Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's Alan Patterson, and I have a real treat for you today. I'm interviewing Kevin Fall. I've known Kevin for about 10 years. He is a classic entrepreneur, and I would say a prototype uh, for what it means to be a ladder burner. We'll hear a bit about his career, uh, and I want you to get a flavor for his his motivation, what makes him tick, because as we talk more about uh, what it means to burn the ladder and what's critical and important to him, he really represents someone uh, in my mind that amplifies those principles and those characteristics to take control of your career, uh, to pursue those areas of your greatest interest. And while he talks about luck and hard work and uh, uh, what ifs, I would say there are no coincidences in terms of how his career development. I'll begin with uh, talking to Kevin about his uh, high school uh, and going to college and we'll learn a little bit more about that and then move into learning more about his career. But I'm so glad to be here with you and I feel a privilege to have made enough mistakes in my career and life <laughs> and to have been able to overcome many of them um, to hopefully have a valuable perspective to you and to your listeners so that there might be some piece of information they can glean from here that might help them in their life or their career. Well, that's great. And I do. And I'm eager to hear what those uh, tidbits are. So let, let's start off, uh, Kevin, uh, to hear a little bit about your career background. And why don't you start? I mean, you could start with high school if you want, definitely with college and, and then your your choices of, uh, and interests there, just so that my listeners can understand more about what you did starting out and then how you got to the point you are now. Well, fortunately or unfortunately, I have to go back a little ways and I'll try to keep this abbreviated uh, in my history, but I have to go back kind of almost to childhood so that people may get a better idea of who I am. And when I was a kid, we would work to get our allowance. So we would have our allowance and then there were certain things we could do around the house, whether it was mowing the lawn or, or other things to make a little extra money. And out of that experience came something important about my character that I've carried through for a long time that's helped me many, many times. And that is, I tend to be a little squirrel. Um, I always had a bank. I would count my money and keep a little piece of paper with my savings on it. And I kind of always had a goal in mind. I didn't grow up in a family with much money. You know, every dollar counted. And for um, our lack of monetary resources, my parents were very attentive to giving us life experiences. But for me, I, I always wanted, you know, to have good things and, and such. And so I would always scrimp and save. And the way that that influenced me in my career is that I was always conscious about what I needed to um, invest in both myself or my education, et cetera, to get to the next, um, the next place, the next stepping stone on the path. And so having that characteristic, um, as I went into my teenage years, I always had a job, whether it was, or multiple jobs, whether it was, you know, doing some work for my dad's small business that he had and ran out of our house. 
to working for our neighbor in my first real job as a contractor's assistant to then working, you know, other jobs around town. I was always motivated to work and starting out at a very early age. And in high school, I think my some experiences of having traveled the world a little bit and having um, been working quite a bit, I was just very bored with the structure of high school. And although I was doing okay freshman and sophomore year, I was going to a private high school and I had saved the money and was paying for the private high school myself. And as a teenager, you know, $1,000 in tuition for this high school was a lot of money at the time. And so I just started sort of spacing out. I started to become very unhappy and voicing that opinion to my parents. And and between um, sophomore and junior year of high school, I took a trip to Colorado. I saved money up and bought a one-way flight and helped build trail in the mountains of Colorado and just kind of fell in love. When I came back, I was just absolutely convinced I wasn't going to go back to school. And so I ended up going to college instead. And a dirty little secret they don't tell you is you don't need the SATs or ACTs to go to college. You can actually just start taking college credits. And when you have enough credits to meet their minimum requirements, you can pretty much transfer to any university you want to go to. And so at 16 years old, I started in college. And then after my first year, I figured out you could accelerate learning. And so I took basically double credits for each semester afterwards to um, try to finish college early. And it wasn't so much because I felt like I had the academic capacity to do so. It was more because going back to being a squirrel, I was paying for all this myself. And unfortunately, you also make mistakes. I didn't have a lot of guidance going into college. And so I didn't know there were options for grants that you could apply for and and other things. And that was kind of lucky because I ended up without debt because I took so many credit hours per class. I graduated about a year and a half, really. So um, a month and a half after my 20th birthday, I graduated from college with my bachelor's degree and got out, you know, with maybe a few hundred dollars left in, in my account. Were you live? excuse me, were you living at home or were you living on campus? For the first year and a half, I lived at home. And so when I was 18, I then transferred to a university and lived away from home and then graduated from that university after a year and a half. So, um, so I wasn't living at, so I was living at home for, you know, the first half of college and that saved, you know, obviously saved a ton of money. And I think I estimate I saved probably a couple hundred thousand dollars in tuition expenses, um, rent expense, travel expense, et cetera, um, by, by skipping the two years of high school and then graduating from college early uh, because on top of it, I was able to go out into the workforce right away too. This is one of my favorite parts of the interview. Listen to Kevin talk about weaknesses as a way to get smarter. That was, let me stop you there. What made you, what made you decide that you needed to go back for advanced degrees? I decided I needed to go back for advanced degrees because in working in finance, I saw my weaknesses and my weaknesses were, I was starting to read a lot of SEC documentation. I was starting to look at and research a lot of companies and just listening to financial news, et cetera. There were terms that were unfamiliar to me and I felt uncertain in that unfamiliarity. I felt like I didn't have the edge that I could have if I had more technical capabilities. I also wasn't very good at 
um, at uh, a lot of technical skills like accounting or or financial forecasting, et cetera. And so I just knew what my weaknesses were and I wanted to lean into and strengthen those weaknesses like a muscle. Um, so in addition to that, I wanted to really, with the intention of bolstering my passion and turning my passion into a career, which was going to some kind of sports business. I was obsessed with sports product. And um, so that's ultimately what convinced me is I felt like I was weak in certain areas and wanted to have you know, the best platform for my career and, and potential future. And I'd always wanted to start a business on my own. I just felt like without those skills, I wouldn't be able to. And I'm not great. I'm okay, but I'm not great at autonomous learning. So I felt like being in a structured environment where I could follow lesson plans was a much better way for me to learn in a short period of time than trying to cobble together um, my own education. And, you know, the internet was big at the time and, and, and there's plenty of information, but without knowing what I didn't know, I wasn't sure what to study. So this was a great way for me to progress. I should mention, um, my career history was dotted with a number of personal challenges, uh, having, you know, not known a lot going into graduate school, really I had to work hard and that meant a lot of hours because I'm not necessarily, um, the brightest person, but what I make up for in my lack of intelligence is just a work ethic where I just keep hammering my head on my desk until I understand a concept and often it takes two or three attempts. Not that smart. I'm not so sure about that because next up is launching of his own company. Start my company after I left the organization. I actually had prototypes of my first product and things about six months before I ended up losing the company. And I actually incorporated the company about four months before leaving the organization. Tell people what and your company is, Kevin. So I founded my first company was called Conway Electric and still around, um, still takes the majority of my time. Conway Electric was the first modern. Uh, let me let me try to get this right a couple times, Alan. I may have to, yeah, go ahead. May have to edit this a bit, but um, my first company is called Conway Electric. We invented the braided extension cord. We made we combined modern modern technology with timeless design to distribute electricity in homes and offices and commercial spaces everywhere by making power cords and smart chargers much more attractive and much more functional and also safer. So my concept was combining design with technology with consumer products would would I'd be able to create a company that resonated with people because of one experience I had on my own. I was renting this really cool loft in Boulder, Colorado, I had a great view of the, the beginning of the Rocky Mountains and what's known as the Flatirons of Boulder. And I, on the side, I made a floor lamp out of concrete and steel, kind of a modern um, industrial style floor lamp. And I needed to light the floor lamp in my loft. And I wanted an extension cord that was attractive because I didn't want some cheap orange cord or plastic you know, cord from Walgreens going across the floor. And that in discovering that, I discovered a space in the market, something that didn't exist, which is attractive and useful and safe extension cords. So I cobbled one together, 
and I put it up, you know, a couple of pictures on Facebook. And suddenly I started getting a bunch of direct messages from friends saying, what is that? I need that. It's such an attractive extension cord. And I said, ah, that's not anything. I just did it for myself. So, well, if you think about selling some, I'd be interested. In, and I think for at any other period of my life, I'd have let that go and never thought about it again. But having had my radar open a little bit, I thought, you know, this is an indicator of market demand. And so um, well, let, let, me, I, let me ask you this. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. But this, this is this is, you know, I, I've known you and I realize that there are many things about you that I mean, how how would I know? And, and what strikes me is at this point, how many years of experience, work experience have you had more than 20 or at least 20? Um, well, if you count having started working as a teenager, yes, count um, that. I think so. I, I was about, um, let's see, I think I was like 35. So I had maybe, yeah, I would say 20 years of working. Oh. Um from the time I was about 15. Okay. So I had about 20 years okay. of work. So here's what I, you know, you're, you're, I, it, it, the way you describe moving into Conway Electric, this, because this wasn't real D technology, this wasn't financial modeling. It, it feels like all of those jobs were getting you ready for something. Absolutely. This is classic ladder burner. All of the jobs that Kevin has taken to this point have been in preparation for this new venture that he has launched. And he's taken advantage of these opportunities. It's very nonlinear. It's building his base of knowledge and experience and interest and in learning along the way. Pretty fascinating. This is how ladder burners operate. What did you pick up along the way that now it was part of who you are and how you think to be able to say, oh, here's an idea. And you, you, I know you have more than this one business, but you, you've made a go out of this. Well, I think there's two things. Um, I use the term better lucky than smart a lot. It, and, but that, I don't, and it, it's not, it, it's not luck at and, all, but go ahead. Well, the second phrase is chance favors the prepared. And, you know, if you look at my history, so I got my degree, my undergraduate degrees when I was 20 years old and then worked, you know, right out of there for five years and then went back to grad school and then worked. And, you know, the theme was work and, you know, I didn't, I always wanted a business, but I didn't know what, what or how, and, and I wasn't capable of, you know, just like doing something that I didn't have any care about, you know, like some kind of passion and something I've been passionate about for a long time is architecture, design. I like really nice things, things that are made well, things that have weight to them when you pick them up, things that have consideration, things that look good. Um, and so, so the chance was, you know, I, I did something for myself that I thought I wanted. And then I immediately got some social feedback saying, hey, this could be a good idea. And that's when I incorporated the business. Um, 
was, hey, I might try to start doing this. And I thought, you know, it goes back to the theme of weaknesses. Because I thought, you know, I'm working this job. I don't really have time to start a second company, but I really want, I've wanted to learn more about programming, et cetera. Better lucky than smart and chance favors the prepared. That's something to think about. Are chance and luck really part of someone's career? Or do they bring the luck and the chance, as Kevin has said earlier, in terms of the preparation and what I believe to be something much bigger and broader that we'll get into as we start to uh, move toward the conclusion. When you look back from where you are today to not not so much what you the types of jobs you had in high school but as you ventured out you know college i'm thinking master's degree and entering uh working for other people what what do you know now that you wish you had known then fear is a mirage your fear has a personal message and on the other side of that fear is growth. Um, being born in a rural town in Illinois in a log cabin to a family that did not have a lot of money. You know, we were, um, we could have qualified for food stamps when I was a kid, like a, a toddler. And then, you know, we were, you know, middle class when I was a teenager um, into college. I wasn't exposed to a lot. I didn't have, you know, powerful executive parents. Um, I didn't have parents that, you know, prioritize money as a thing. I, I didn't have, you know, golden ticket to anything. Um, as I said, I had to pay for high school and college and graduate school. Well, um, effectively. And so I was afraid of a lot of things, you know, I was afraid that a kid from a small town wouldn't have opportunities like that. I just thought a lot of those things were just out of bounds. And the thing is, is that all of those fears, the second you start chipping away at them, they become mirages. And I have a specific method for, for doing that. But that was my, that's my number one takeaway that I still consider today when I get scared of something is, you know, the innate response is, is kind of fear, I think, for a lot of people is I can't do that. How did you know, blah, blah. And, and instead of going after that fear and, and reducing that fear to a process of learning, they tend to point their fingers at the other side and say, well, you're bad for this or that because they don't really understand it or, or are afraid that it's not something that they could do or achieve. So that's one thing that has caused me to lean into my weaknesses and try to strengthen those weaknesses that just knowing that fears are a mirage things that I've learned that you could save 15 years of experience. And if you learn these things right now, it's three or four points. The first point is lean into the things that make you uncomfortable. So often do we resist those un this discomforts that we stay padded. And sometimes that padding makes us fragile and you can gain strength by leaning into things that are you're uncomfortable with like if you know that you're not good at finance you know maybe learning a little bit more about finance or knowing that you're not good at one thing or another you know programming or making a website 
just doing it without any expectation on the back end, but just doing it because you want to learn a little bit. And just those tiny steps can change your life so much. What if I just said, when I saw, you know, the lack of extension cords out there in the world, what if I just said, eh, whatever, nobody's doing it. I'm just going to go to the store and, you know, do something. Instead, I said, I could probably put something together here. And that tiny little spark turned into, you know, a huge thing for me. Um, the second piece is that communication is king. I am not the best communicator. As a matter of fact, um, I am partially on the um, um, the spectrum in in terms of, uh, um, it's not autism. What's the other one? Asperger's. Um, yeah, so I'm on the Asperger's spectrum. And what comes out of that is, is that my brain just tends to be wired a little bit differently. And I'm not the best you know, people communicator, I don't pick up subtle cues very easily. Um, communication can be difficult for me. I tend to be very direct in what I have to say, as opposed to, you know, sort of these subtle um, suggestions, etc. But communication is so important. And when I say that, I mean it from an organization perspective, communicating to employees, from a marketing perspective, communicating what's valuable to you, to your market, and the people that that message resonates with become customers and there's nothing more important particularly in consumer products than that communication so you know if one is leaning into the things that make you uncomfortable the second point is that communication really is king and that is an area of weakness for me that i continue to work on um, and i'll probably never master but i get a little bit better at it every year and if you're a good communicator the world is your oyster i mean you can do anything i know people who are master communicators. In my opinion, the most successful people in the world aren't that they had a special vision or anything. It's that they have the ability to communicate what they want to do or communicate their vision in a way that inspires other people to action. And then the third thing is people. And because I tend, I'm on the Asperger's spectrum, um, interacting with people is difficult for me because I just want to say, well, here's what I think. And why aren't you just on board with this? It's so obvious. Just do it this way. And that's not really how people work because you also have to trust that other people are smarter than you have more capabilities and you have to give them the opportunities to run with it. And if they do, if you do that, it becomes this mutual beneficial relationship. And so some things that I've learned is that, you know, strengthening your weaknesses, communicating better, and then trusting other people will help you create what in my opinion is the most important thing in a career, which is leverage. You need to be able to act small in one place, but that, lever that you act on has so much leverage that down the chain of command, it becomes a bigger action um, in the outcome. And so it, just building off of what you're saying is, um, yeah, I think that that's really fundamentally uh, where you can start to distill all this experience into very short points. I don't think there are a lot of big secrets out yeah. there. It's just Getting to the core uh, piece of information that's valuable, I think, is what's, what's I, I don't think there are any secrets, Kevin. I think people are focused on the wrong thing. This is what I've learned. It took me 40 years to kind of get to this point. But what you're describing, not but, what you're describing is exactly the way I see it. You've had all these personal achievements along the way. And we're taught to do that. We're taught that that's measures of success. We're taught that that's how we measure how good we are, how valued we are. 
um, or how we compare ourselves to other people. But what I've learned and also what you're doing outside of this, looking at, you know, the, what, what you're doing on Facebook and what you're talking about and what you're trying to convince people of or, or, or help people understand is is something that's more than individual achievement. And, and what you describe is leverage to me is the secret and, and, and the difference. It's not that you, and, and you can't get the credibility without the personal achievement. But what really changes is that over time that it's, it's the glue, it's how you do business and, and, and what you stand for and represent and all that stuff that every leadership person in the world talks about. But the leverage to me is about having impact and creating capacity. And when you realize that there's more to be gained, but far more than what you could do on your own, then you get people to realize, okay, then how do I do that? I love it, creating leverage. In these last few minutes, I'd like to include because these, so it can be distilled down. But, you know, people, I want people to, I'm on a, I have an agenda and I'm on a mission. So it's not like I'm saying anything goes. I really firmly believe that once people understand, don't put yourself in the center of the universe because nobody really gives a shit. What people care yeah. about is how you can help them. Nobody says that, but that's how you value relationships. It's, it's reciprocity. We never say, well, I'll do for you if you do for me. But what makes you valued and respected and loved is what you've helped other people accomplish in life. So now Kevin has hooked me. And you're going to hear me on a soapbox talk about ladder burning and uh, also get Kevin's reaction. So uh, thank you, Kevin. Uh, I appreciate your willingness to switch roles and talk about something that's important to both of us. Particularly in business exchanges, there's always this sort of um, exchange of value. Absolutely. And value... Value is not just money. Value can be um, social value. Um, social currency is, you know, common um, thing. Political currency is another term that's thrown around. Yeah. Um, yeah. It can be career currency. Um, it's all that. Or it, it's all that. It's all that. And um, so, I mean, the name of your or, of your organization, um, the name of your your brand, Ladder Burners. I mean, that says a lot right there. When you say Ladder Burners, you know what. What things, because when I read Ladder Burners, I take out of it one thing and, you know, I want to throw my fist up and be like, yeah, you know, let's, let's build our own ideas. You know, there's there's nothing more inspirational than like Ladder Burners. Like you don't have to be part of this organization. um, If you don't want to be, you can go and do your own thing. But I want to hear from you. When you say Ladder Burners, what would you like people to, to get from that? That, that, that the sense of the 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 promise of being successful by waiting your turn and following a set uh, a structure that is inherently unfair and rigged 
is not the way you succeed in your career and in your life. I want people to understand, and you you said it right from the get-go. Oh, I didn't think I was getting what I needed from high school, so I started to take college courses. You can do that. That's what a ladder burner thinks. It's like, oh, okay, I don't have to wait my turn. I don't have to wait for somebody to give me permission to do something that can be done. So, and go ahead. And abs- absolutely. And that's what inspires me about what you're doing. And um, what do you think keeps people from doing it more often? Like, wh- why don't more people, you know, do this up? I because mean, like be- I said, today it's. Go ahead. Well, it's so easy to start a website and, it, you know, sell something online. Why, why don't more people do I that? Think, I, think it's, I think it's a combination of things. I do think fear is there. And I think fear is the biggest motivator. I can say that in my own personal life. Uh, and I think there's a lot around that. But it's this, I, I'll tell you what it is. And I mean, we can have many, uh, we can have more discussion around this. I think it's that people that are that look for certainty in their life are more black and white and so they wait for their boss to tell them they can do something they they have as i say they have to wait their turn um it's the old you have to ask permission and the best example i ever heard was from a fellow that i worked with years ago who did who's formed two or three different businesses uh, do you know Avid? Do you remember Avid? Avid? Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he worked at Avid and then he formed a sports company and they really were the ones that started to digitize, to digitize all the stuff for, you know, teams. And now it's become a commonplace thing and so on and so on and so forth. He told me one time, he said, I hired the best fucking engineers that money could buy. I stole them. He didn't say steal, but he did from Avid and brought them over. Yeah. And somebody comes to me one day and says, well, Dave, what do you want me to do? And he said, I have no fucking clue. None. That's why I hired you. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, why would you take the best people? And they feel like they have to come to you. And th- so there's something that has been inherent. I mean, this is what I, I, I've been thinking about writing about. And it's been a year since I've started and, and and dropped it and thinking about picking it up. Some of it is just inherent in the way we're taught. And, and it's that there's an answer and we have to go find the answer. And the more people that fight, find the right answer, do better. The more. Well, I have a funny, I have a funny story about that that specifically speaks to that. And so I was living in Portland, Oregon, and it was pretty much, a, you know, a dream come true. I had a nice, place that I bought and was living in. And um, I was dating someone seriously at the time who I've known for a long, who's still a good friend of mine. And she's gone on to have a family of her own, but we've remained friends because we've known each other for so long. But um, when I took the job in Los Angeles and had to move down there, um, she broke up with me and then she went and disappeared for six weeks to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And I was, you know, uh, I was sore in my heart and, and, um, I met someone a few weeks later through some friends in Portland, you know, this beautiful girl who worked for Nike. I mean, just like, holy smokes, who is this? We started dating and um, we, I 
told her one day, like, you know, I'm doing, you know, I'm the direct, oh, she knew I was like the director of finance at Real D, uh, but that I was starting to do these other things. I was pitching different companies, ideas, you know, I was like building these business plans, which ultimately became my, my VP of a business development role. And her words to me were, well, why are you doing that? That's not what a director <laughs> of finance does. Exactly. And in that one, in that one sentence, Alan, I knew two things that that relationship was Over. not going to last. Right. And two is this is what's hard coded in so many people's brains is you get a role and that is what you do. Yeah. And you are in that role and the, and, and I don't know if that comes from so many years we spend in school under a particular agenda. Um, I think that's but if, part of it. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, where do you think that comes from? Because it, it thinking differently has consistently allowed me to build my career. Well, and I kind of felt sorry for her because I thought, well, you know, if you're going to wait for someone else to give you an opportunity, um, that's something you can't control. But what you can control is what you're working on every day. Yeah. And if you work hard on something and it doesn't work out, particularly if you're in a corporate job that's fairly secure, you really don't lose anything. You know, you lose whatever you invest in and maybe it's time, maybe it's a little bit of money, but, as, but if it doesn't break you, you really haven't lost anything. Well, it hasn't you, taken you, you out of the game. You're trying to provide rationality to something that's not rational at all. And, and it's, it's back to what I think the biggest thing that people fear is the loss of control. And so people have to, that's what the ladder does. It gives you that sense that if I bust my ass and I do this, I can go from a junior Mouseketeer to a senior to vice president of Mouseketeers to be Mickey himself. And so, and, and, and it's, first of all, that is completely bullshit because it doesn't happen that way, particularly for people of color and for women. Okay. So that, that it's, but 100 we are trained that that's what school i think does i think the american dream is built into that work hard perseverance bust your ass and you can be anything you want yeah tell that to uh uh, uh george floyd or somebody i mean go ahead tell tell i mean it's bullshit it's not true it's not universal and i couldn't agree yeah, more so so why 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 do that I'm not saying and, and the order and and certainty is what now makes is what concrete thinkers need and have to have. And you are the farthest thing from a concrete thinker, as are the people that you surround yourself with, as are the people here in my crew. It's like I don't want fucking vanilla. I hate vanilla. I don't see the world in black or white terms, and it fucks it, it. It 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 makes me crazy, and it also makes me unbelievable at times because the people that don't because I'm not clear in my expression, and I don't th even and even when I am, there are people that just don't see it. So I say, fuck the latter. Build, yeah. build these relationships, go with what the, and, and you will find stuff that you really, really, really like. So then when you talk about these uh, fellas, uh, these people that are really good designers and you reach out to them, how fucking cool is that? Who says you can call a designer? 
Who says you can pick up the phone and call that person? I don't know. What do you need? You need a permission to do that? No. And people are held back because I think they feel somebody has to guide them that way. That's why I say I'd love to get on the front end of this. I think you get people at 15, 20 years that are frustrated in their careers because they haven't advanced beyond where they think they should be. But I really, and I'll die before this happens, so I'm hopeful you'll carry this standard forward. It's like, no, I want I want you. I want the edgy, the little, the, the, the folks that are just not going to quite take the drink, the Kool-Aid. They're going to ask all the fucking dumb questions. You know, you may, you may have been, you know, you're very data driven. You're very, you're very uh, conceptual. You know how to do all this stuff. You say you may not read people uh, well or, or, or maybe sometimes at all the way that you need to. But it doesn't stop you from realizing that as long as you're understanding that you have to understand how people think and what they feel is important, that you can pretty much, as you'd say on communication side, you can pretty much deal with anybody if you have to. So true. Well, isn't it interesting, Alan, that every organization is fundamentally started by a ladder burner. Yes. So the people on the ladders are working for ladder burners. And I think there are, you know, there's a number of reasons for that. And, and people who are in the ladder are important people, people that, you know, subscribe to certain careers and things, you know, accountants, Absolutely. Et that, um, cause when you're an accountant, you can have an accountant accounting firm and things like that, but you can have a great career and there's nothing, nothing. wrong with being a staff accountant Absolutely. in an organization. Um, it all comes down to, you know, like long term where you're going to be able to survive. And if if you're lucky, uh, maybe those market forces are there to support you when you launch a venture, which I would say, you know, there's a podcast I listen to a lot and it's um, done by NPR, but it's interviewing a lot of people who found companies and start companies and build things. And at the end of these podcasts, the host always asks, well, do you think your success is more due to luck or is it intelligence? And I can tell you, I'm always very skeptical of the CEOs who say 100% it's hard work and intelligence and everything else, because there's so much outside of their control that they don't realize. And I think that whenever I hear that answer, I think, wow, this person really is not seasoned. I would not want to work no, with this person. That's precisely my reaction. That's the last person in the world I'd want to work for. Somebody that thinks they're fucking smart. And that's how they got to the top. It's bullshit. Well, but, but you know, there's there's one C- CEO. I don't I don't want to name. Um, it's just, she's built a great organization. But, you know, when she answered that question, said, oh, by far, it's, you know, hard work. You have to be willing to get up and, you know, do this. And if I hadn't done this, it wouldn't be... And I thought, you know, that's interesting because the way you even have your organization is when you left the other organization, you know, uh, um, someone from another country went to you and said, hey, you know, listen, I was really impressed with your work over there. If you start something, I've got $10 million earmarked for you. Um, I really want to work with you. You know, I want to be your first investor. Why don't you think about something you can start? And I don't care, Alan, how hard you work. 
there are people that work their asses off every day that don't get a call from an international financier who was an investor in a previous company saying, I want to invest in you and your next venture. Just doesn't have, that is to me, sure, a result of hard work, but a lot of people working just as hard never get that call. But that's, and yeah, exactly. And, and that is, that is what I would call luck in the framework of hard work. Luck have chance favors the prepared. You need to work hard. You need to work hard. You need to be intelligent, but your idea will only succeed. What if I had gotten on that airplane and went to five wrong stores? You know, what if when I made my first call to like the, the local store in Boulder, Colorado, that I had tried to sell the product to subsequently four years in a row that never took the product. Um, what if I had, what if I had taken them as my market research and had abandoned the idea? You know, um, both my my persistence, the fact that I was born and have this characteristic of some persistence in my career is lucky to me. The fact that I have a really supportive family, which most a lot of people, most people maybe don't have, is lucky to me. So whenever I hear that, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a big element of luck. It's not entirely luck. You have to work hard, but that's table stakes. But, you know, hard work but is table what stakes. I'm saying Kevin, this is what I'm saying, and and where I I, I have a part where I de- have a departure from what you're saying. I don't disagree with what you've said, and I also don't disagree with you know people that climb the ladder, whether they're accountants or people in in uh, uh, the law or medicine or something. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying there are not opportunities there. What I'm saying is there are more opportunities that are outside of that. And it happens when you say uh, chance, what did you say? Chance favors the favors prepared. Yeah, I say chance favors those that are consciously building relationships with other people. Well, absolutely. And that, and that what that does is it expands everything. And it's totally great. And so I, I, we're not really saying anything different. I just want people to understand that. Yeah. And let's face it. There are things that are luck, but it, if, if, but there are better ways people can be prepared in many different ways. And it's not because you have to be the smartest fucker in the room. That's what I want people to understand. That's not, that's absolutely true. That's it. Absolutely true. And um, the the one point I'd like to drop um, or, or provide a di- as maybe one of the last points is um, the idea of fragility. And so um, the, the idea of, of reducing fragility is something that I've been thinking about for a long time now. And it was part of the reason I wanted to start Conway Electric or, or at least when I thought about whether Conway could could have the potential to be a good business, it was one of the things that I checked the box on is that it's a, a less fragile um, type of business. And I think the fragility piece of it, when you look at your own career or anything else, fragility is basically how um, impacted you are by um, events that are out of your control. And so, for example, you know, if someone was a specialist in manufacturing buggy whips, you know, in the late 1800s, within a few years, if all they knew how to do was make buggy whips, they were in a pretty tough situation after the car came out and suddenly there weren't any buggies left. 
you know, the, the buggy whip makers, the people who position themselves in, in these very fragile positions, uh, exposed to outside forces, um, I think is, is a scary thing. And I think ladder burners in general, as a group become less fragile because they're, they're building their strengths in a variety of ways. So, um, and the whole idea of specialization, there's been a lot of conversation in academic circles and, and particularly entrepreneurial circles for the last several years about, you know, the exodus of specialization yeah. and the value of more generalization, Absolutely. the ability to have, you know, financial competence, marketing competence, operations competence, et cetera. And I mean, in my career, um, I was starting in financial roles in a lot of places, but uh, by building up my capabilities in marketing or or technology or product where I wasn't an engineer, but I worked with engineers and had to understand technology applications and, and theories where I wasn't a marketer, but I had to incorporate the fundamental marketing principles in order to achieve certain things. That generalization, I think, helps to reduce fragility. And I think that's really important in careers. And it's okay to be on the ladder and be thinking about burning the ladder. But And it's okay to never get there. It's okay to not do it. Right. But if you're thinking about burning the ladder and you're working on building up these weaknesses, that's why, you know, um, building up, leaning into the things that make you uncomfortable and building up those areas of muscle are important because ultimately I think it makes you less fragile. It makes you able to respond more to the needs of, of that moment. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think it's all, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and if people take a parallel track, you know, it's like, oh, I took a lateral job, blah, blah. I went from, I went from uh, um, engineering over to finance, but it was like, well, why did you do that? Well, I wanted to learn the business. Well, fucking learn the business. Who cares yeah. whether it's a lateral position? Because now who would you want running a company? Somebody that was an engineer or somebody that was an engineer that understood how, how the company makes money. So stop worrying about being a fucking engineer. <laughs> that hundred. Hundred, hundred percent, and I—that's—I think what I love. It's—it is almost comical, and that's what I love about the term ladder burners is because it's not just you know you don't have to just set fire to the ladder and go out and you know I know some people that have done things like quit their job and invest all their money into no. you know taking photo shoots and things of like that into becoming like a lifestyle blogger. Yeah, and, you know, three months later they're living with their boyfriend. Um, or girlfriend broke and and trying to get back in the job world because um, they they took a bit and taking big risks is good but you don't have to do that to be a ladder no. you can do it kind of silently on your own it's the idea of it's the idea of um, of you know building your career in a way that makes you less fragile more prepared for the opportunity when it comes when it comes up yeah well. Here we go. Let's go burn some ladders. You're making a bigger dent than you think. And we I'll bring the marshmallows. Okay, and we're I am so struck by the breadth of Kevin's background and while you could say this is just chance and coincidence and luck, I don't believe it. I believe all these jobs that he has had uh, has prepared him for this entrepreneurial 
spirit and person that he is. And it just embodies to me what it means to be a burner, that you are not following a traditional path. And sure, things come your way, and they come your way because you've put yourself out there in so many ways. Thank you.